Good morning, Freedom Church. How are you? Let's give God praise to get in the worship of His holy name. Just so, so thankful that you are here. Thank you for coming back. We had an amazing Easter together. Uh, 164 lives of, of adults and kids' lives were changed. And man, we cannot worship Jesus enough. Let's lift the roof off the place and thank Him for saving souls. All right. For those of you that may have come back from Easter or you're here for your first time or something, I don't want you to think this is a hotel for saints. This is a hospital for sinners, okay? That's what we're about here is so that you can find Jesus in your life and live for Him and He's going to radically change your life. And we've all fallen short of God's glory. And that's why we're in need of Jesus Christ. So last week I started a series of messages called Jesus Can. The Lord gave me this thought back in uh, several months back and and I began to think about what Jesus can do, and I thought and prayed about the things that, that we deal with um, inevitably. And first, of course, last week we talked about Jesus can forgive. Today, I want to move a step forward, and I want to talk about how Jesus can give hope. And I'll never forget one time when I was a kid, this is etched in my memory, I'll never forget it. I had an older, I had one sibling, an older brother, he's about five years older than I am, and I had a first cousin, which was my daddy's twin brother's son, and Lanny, and he is about four, and I, about four years or so older than me. But Lanny stayed at our house all the time. He didn't come and stay a night. He didn't come and stay two nights. He would come and stay a month at a time till his daddy finally made him come home. He loved his family, but he loved hanging out with us. And I'll never forget one time when we were playing together, and I would say he was probably around 13 or 14. I was around 9 or 10. My brother's around 14, 15. And we had this huge chestnut tree on my mom and dad's property, and we couldn't find Lanny anywhere. So we go looking for Lanny, and we see him inside the chestnut tree hanging from a tree, okay? I mean, he was just like this, a noose around his neck, hanging from a tree, and just lifeless. Well, it literally freaked me and my brother out. Then finally we get over there and we're looking at him. The noose is around his neck. He's like this. He's not moving. Then he, start, then he looks at us and starts laughing and freaked us out. I don't know where he got the idea, but he took a rope, tied to the tree. He run the rope down his shirt, through his pant leg, and made a loop for his foot so he could stand in it. Somehow got up in the tree and made us think he had hung himself. That was a horrible trick that my brother Lanny did, but it reminded me of something that happens in the Scripture. When it comes to hope, that what chokes hope out of your life is worry. Track with me. When you go and you look in the Scripture here, you will find out when you read about worry, the original writing of it means to choke or to strangle. We know throughout our nation's history and throughout the world that a hangman's noose has been a way of capital punishment in our world and how that hangman's noose tightens around someone's neck and, of course, they die. But I want you to think about that being an instrument of death. I want you to think about worry being an instrument of the death of your hope in your life. That's how the enemy destroys hope by getting you to worry. 
He tries to get you to worry about the shape of the economy or the interest rate. He tries to get you to worry about your marriage, that you might be having a rocky time. He tries to get you to worry about whether you're having a profit this quarter in your 401k or in your company. He, he's, he tries to get you to, to worry about your kids, whether you've raised them in Christ, but they've kind of gotten away and you're wondering and, and worrying that they're going to come back. What he does, the enemy does everything he can do to get you to worry in order to kill your hopes, and your dreams. And it's hard to move forward whenever you get up each day and worry about the same things that you worried about the day before. How many of you, and I want to ask this question, I want you to be vulnerable with me. Of course, we're in this thing called life together. How many of you find yourself worrying about things that's choking your hope for a better tomorrow? A lot of you do. And probably if you're not there, you've been there or it's coming your way. I love what Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, chapter 6 and verse 34. He said, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's troubles is enough for today. You find yourself a lot of times in life and, 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 and you're worrying about everything, but then you say, well, I hope so. Well, I know things are going on right here, but I hope so. People live in that hope so mode that things are going to get better, even though they, they take their mindset off of the one who can give the hope, who can transform the hope, who can give you a better hope of tomorrow, and we end up worrying about things. It's like a guy that, there was a guy he worried all the time, that every time he went to bed, that there was someone under his bed. And it freaked him out so bad that he finally went to a psychiatrist. And he went to him, explained to him what he was talking about, and someone's under my bed. And, and the psychiatrist told him, he said, I'll tell you what, I can help you with this problem. He said, but it's going to take about six months of visits, once a week, $75 a visit. I will help you get through this fear and this worry of someone being under your bed. Well, the guy never did come back. And just so in happenstance, the psychiatrist runs into the guy in the mall, recognizes him and says, hey. You remember we talked and whatever, and he said, why didn't you come back and see me about this problem you have? He said, oh, he said, I didn't need to. He said, I had a friend help me out for free. He was intrigued, and he said, how was that? He said, my friend just said, cut the legs off my bed, and he said, you're going to be fine. It's been good ever since. <laughs> Don't you wish that it was that simple about stuff that we find ourselves worrying about in a, in a day and time. See, we have this seed of worry that tries to grow. We have this seed of doubt that, that tries to dominate and literally choke the hope out of our life. Why does that happen? Is it normal to worry? I think it is for everybody. But here's the thing I want you to understand. Is it human nature to get our hope choked out of our life? Yes, it's human nature. And that is the problem, is that we live between the flesh and the spirit of Almighty God. We've got to stop living by human nature, and we've got to live by our spiritual nature as a follower of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. What is it going to take to keep you and I from worrying? What will it take to keep us from allowing our hope to be choked completely out of our lives? Hebrews chapter 11 
In verse 1 in the New Testament says this, it says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. Now, when you look at this, this chapter, it's known as the, the faith hall of fame here of, of hope and faith. That's what it's known by. And faith is the beginning factor of hope fulfillment by believing, listen to me, in the character of Almighty God. See, the problem is we want the hope fulfillment based on us, but the hope and the fulfillment that God wants to do in our lives is through the character of God. Let me ask you this. How many of you remember what it was like when you knew your birthday was coming up, especially when we were kids, and you just had this anticipation that you were going to get birthday presents or you were going to get some treats or whatever was going to happen. And then when it rolled around, those things happened, but also you would even get surprised. See, faith, listen to me, let me, let me compare that. Faith is the confidence based on past experience that what God is wanting to do, He's going to not only do what He does, but He brings fresh surprises into your life. That's what God does. So listen closely. Hope without faith is nothing but a wish. Hope without faith is nothing but a wish. You see, where worry, worry begins, that's where faith ends. But where faith begins, that's where worry ends. This is our problem as we live in these fleshly bodies. You can't control the outcomes in your life. That's what happens with people. When you lack faith, and you, it produces worry, and it chokes the hope in your life. When we're not in control, if we don't trust the one who can successfully handle our circumstances like God can, what does that ultimately do? It causes stress and worry, and it chokes our hopes and dreams out of our lives. I don't know about you, but I think a lot of people deal with situations to where that our hope goes away. We deal with situations to where that we can't control outcomes and we kind of worry, you know. And um, I'll give you a great example. My wife, because of certain things over the years, she is fearful of large trucks on the highway. And we figured out years ago to keep she and I from arguing on the road that when we go on a trip, she drives. Now, it's nothing against me. She gets nervous if anybody's driving because when she's in the passenger seat, she freaks out when an 18-wheeler, which they're large vehicles or whatever, or larger, gets close to us. It freaks my wife out. And she gets upset. It's not necessarily upset with me, but she gets upset with the situation, and then we end up arguing. So we figured out a long time ago, when we go somewhere, she drives, and I navigate. It's really nice. We get along great. But that is for her health and my health and for her lack of being able to worry and be able to have confidence because she's in control. Case in point, the problem with America today and the reason so many people are on so many anxiety medicines and there's nothing wrong with anxiety medicines, there's nothing wrong with depression medicine, God uses that, God uses our wonderful doctors and nurses, but my point is that people, instead of going to Dr. Jesus and realize that here I'm driving Jesus and you're on the pastor side, I need to swap places so you can drive for me so I can sit over here and enjoy life. Does that make sense? 
Think about that. So many times we want to be in control. Now, it helps in a driving situation, but it's not good in our human nature. We need to get away from the human nature that we think we're in control, and we need to swap places with Jesus because He is in control. I'll tell you another situation it is for us, and it is for you too. How many of you here fly uh, far as commercial at times on a regular basis, or you do it every now and then, or you do it for your business and things like that? Uh, We fly quite often throughout the year, and something that I always do, when we walk down you know, we're heading down the ramp, and we're getting down there, and there's always that sliver line right there before you step onto that 737. This is what I do. I pray before I talk or even speak to the smiling steward or stewardess right there. I say, dear God in heaven, bless us to get from point A to point B, and I pray that the pilot didn't get drunk last night. Now, you can say I'm crazy if you want to. Maybe the pilot not only got drunk, maybe the pilot had an all-night fight and was up all night with his spouse or something like that, and he's not on his A-game. I'm about to set foot, my beloved and me are about to set foot on an airplane that I don't know who's in the cockpit. I don't know who's flying in the cockpit. I don't know anything about the guy, but yet I'm going to trust him to get me from point A to point B. That's what you call flying out of control. But when you have the opportunity for Jesus to be in the driver's seat of life, why do we think that we can do so much with it? I'll tell you exactly what it is. It is a control freak fallacy that we have. You say, what do you mean? What what kind of fallacy? I'll tell you exactly what it is. We tend to think we're in control, and we're not. How many of you have been late to work because you've had a flat tire? Raise your hand. You didn't plan on having a flat tire at all. (laughs) Sometimes life's going good and it, it, things get thrown at you. We tend to think we're in control. I remember one time when my girls were all little bitty. And we went to this gospel singing of this professional gospel group. Went to a church of about 400 people and it was packed out. We ended up having to sit up here on the front seats about where you guys are. And my youngest, Chloe, she was just a toddler at that time. Somebody gave her a dum-dum, which was a dum-dum idea. Okay? Anybody know what the little suckers are you call dum-dum? They gave her a dum-dum, which was a dum-dum idea. And you say, what do you mean? She sticks it in her throat so far, it triggered her gag reflexes. I'm in a suit. They're in dresses. My wife is to the nines. And what did she do? It all come up all over me, all down in my lap across the front of my suit. While the gospel singers are up there singing, they're looking my way and they're going. So they just kept singing. You know how they sang? They turned and looked the other way and just kept right on singing. I had to get up and take Chloe, and my whole family got up, and walked back through this packed house, and everybody looking at me. And I had a friend of mine, a pastor friend of mine, he looked at me like, I thought, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, you ought to get up and help me, you know, instead of here making fun of me. Needless to say, we didn't hang around for the singing. <laughs> Who wants to go up and smell of a guy who smells like vomit? All oh, how you doing? Good to see you. Give me a hug. You know, it didn't, didn't happen like that. But here's what I know. Life has a way at times of vomiting on us. You get vomited on in your relationships. You get vomited on by your family. You didn't see it coming. You get vomited on when it comes to your business dealings with maybe a business partner who went rogue and 
different direction or you get vomited on by friends who <laughs> ended up stabbing you in the back and talking to you about you behind their back. So whatever the situation is, we get so worried because we're not in control. Therefore, we lose faith and it chokes the literal hope out of our lives. And often we have these false assumptions that when we experience chaos, surely God on the throne is experiencing chaos. I mean, he looks down and thinks, hey, JC, they're having some tough times down there. I didn't see that one coming. So God calls an emergency meeting with JC and the angels, and it doesn't happen like that. What happens is our worry as human beings goes up, our faith goes down, therefore it chokes your hope and dreams out of your life. So you end up living your life on a consistent basis, being downtrodden because you thought you were in control of the circumstances. You thought that you were in control uh, when it comes to the crisis, when it comes to a situation, whether it's something to do relationally or financially or emotionally or something to do with your help, with your health. See, here's where people are at today. Too many people have too little hope. Why is that? Because they're not in control. They lose control in their life. See, it's human hope and optimism based on our perceived ability to be able to live our life Better based on what we're able to do, on what we're able to do. And when you can't control the outcome, what do you do? You pick up the worry warts all over your life, and we become faithless, and then we live our lives with little or absolutely no hope for the future that God has for us. God never said that you and I are going to be spared of pain. He never said we're going to be spared of suffering. He never said we're going to be spared of hardships. But what he does promise is that he will see us through what we're going through. Another problem is that people so often let us down. How many of you will raise your hand and say, I've had a person before in my life that's let me down? Raise your hand in this auditorium. Practically everybody. You might have thought you was going to get the promotion. You came in early, you stayed late, you worked hard, you fulfilled the contracts, you wrote all the different things that they wanted you to do, and next thing you know, you're the one that didn't get the promotion. The person over here was less than that you thought, in your mindset, got the promotion. <laughs> or maybe you didn't see that breakup coming. You thought, could this be the one? And next thing you know, she sends you a text and says, I think I want to break up. Let's be friends. Uh, I hate that term. Ladies, I didn't say this in the last time. Ladies, don't do us guys that way. You know what let's be friends means? It means I'm going to go date somebody else that I want to date, and it's not you any longer. It's just the way it is. You don't really want to be friends. You're just moving on. You know what I'm saying? But whatever the situation may be, maybe you thought you were going to get married and you ended up breaking it off. Maybe you thought that you were going to have kids, and you've been into your married relationship for several years now, and you're beginning to wonder, is God going to help us conceive? Whatever the situation is, the problem is, listen to me closely, we are inclined to bet our future on people and circumstances that have a track record of letting us down. And that's a fact. No wonder so many people live their lives pessimistic and less than hopeful, and human hope will always disappoint us. I want you to understand that. So the question is, what do we do? 
when the worry is going up and it seems the faith is coming down in our life, your hope seems to be choked and there's no reviving it. I want to share a few verses with you today. Jeremiah 29 and 11 is a familiar verse. I want you to know the context before I read it. God's people have been taken captivity from their home in Jerusalem to Babylon. And they want to go back to the security of, of Jerusalem. And it says this in this wonderful verse that many of you know. If you don't know, it's a wonderful verse. It says here in 29 and 11, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. See, God is saying through Jeremiah, you're okay. God is saying, you're okay. I'm in control here, God is saying. How many of you at times feel like in your life that you are completely out of control? Raise your hand. Yes, we've all been there at some point in time. You feel like you're out of control. You don't feel like that you can do anything about your health when you go to the doctor and they say, we found something. You don't feel like you can do anything when it feels like when it comes to your finances that there's more month of bills than it is money that's coming in. You don't feel like that you can do anything when it comes to a situation to your job or something that's happening in your company because of the, the economy that we're in. Here's what I want to tell you. God says right here, he says, I know. Everybody say, I know. He says, I know. He's got a plan for you and for me in our lives. God wants to do something. So you got to get this sense of confidence that's coming from God here. He says this. He says, the next verse is here. He says that I'm looking at. It says, in those days, when you pray, I will listen. In those days, sometimes those days are never ending, aren't they? They just keep coming, they keep coming, they keep coming. In those days, when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. In those days, how many of you feel like in those many days in life that you feel absolutely alone, you're full of worry, it feels like your faith is all the way down to smaller than a mustard seed, but God says, hey, hey. I know the plan, but yet you don't even see your hope in the future. It's so far-fetched you can't even think that it's there. God says, when you pray, I will listen. When is he going to listen? He is going to listen as soon as you pray. And if you look at me with all your heart, he's saying in this word here, you're going to find me. And if you thought that you feel like it, that you're out of control, you've got to bank on the fact that God is in control of what's going on with your life. I want to brag on God. He ordered the steps of your life before you were ever born. He knit you together in in your mother's womb, and he has a plan orchestrated and ordered before you were ever born from your mother. He says, I have a plan. Stop worrying. Stop living a faithless life. Stop choking your hopes and your dreams. I have a plan for you. Look at the person next to you. Say, God has a plan for you. Look back to the other and say, he's got a plan for you too. If God has a plan, some of you are thinking already, why am I hurting financially? Pastor, why am I hurting relationally? Why am I hurting in my health? Does that mean that, Pastor, that whatever it is that God doesn't love me? God never wants to hurt you or anyone that his son gave his life. 
He wants to prosper you. Then if God wants, to, wants me to prosper, then you're wondering, how in the world, pastor, is that going to happen? Look at Jeremiah here in verse 10 and 29. Let's back up just a little bit. It says, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. But then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised, and I will bring you home again. Some of you are probably wondering, how long is my Babylon going to last? When will God bring me back to that home of peace and joy and serenity? And understand that I've got renewed hope. And I know that I've got dreams and a destiny God has for me. To be able to live with hope is to live it with complete faith in the power that God is in control. That it is God's will, it is God's favor for you to live out that destiny. But right now, you're hurting. And God says, hey, I'm going to bring you home. But just how long do we stay in Babylon? How long do we stay in those kind of situations? Because he created you and me. And I want you to understand that your hopes and dreams, you might feel like they're dead, but they're not dead. Your future is alive. Your hopes and dreams and destiny are alive because there's two purposes that we have. There's the enemy's purpose of humanity, and there's Jesus' purpose. John 10 and 10 tells us that. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And the question is, are you going to allow your worry to go up and your faith to go down so that the enemy can steal, kill, and destroy you? Or are you going to latch on to the promise that Jesus said is to give them a rich and satisfying life? See, the plan God has for us it isn't just to make it along and trickle along and have just a decent life and, and have the American dream of a house and two, 2.3 kids and a picket fence and a nice car and a driveway. God's dream for you and I is more than enough. Romans 8 and 37 says, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. Say those three words with me. More than conquerors. Say it again. More than conquerors through him who loved us. A lot of times, especially been in ministry over 25 years, I'll ask people this question and they'll say, I'll say, how are you doing? And then I'll wait for a response. And I don't know who this is for, but the Spirit just told me to say this. If you ask somebody how they're doing, take the time to listen to their response. Because it might be the moment that the Lord wants to use you. I don't know who that's for, but that's for somebody. But in ministry, people say, I'll ask how you're doing, and I'm waiting for the response, and they'll say this. They'll say, I'm doing good under the circumstances. That is, that breaks my heart. I'm doing good under the circumstances. And as believers, you're always to be above the circumstances, not under the circumstances. You've got to quit allowing the circumstances. You've got to quit allowing the, the situations. You've got to quit allowing those things that's happening in your life to choke your hope because we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us and gave his life for you and me. That is something that you claim it and you live it and you know that Jesus has got your back no matter what you're going through. Quit allowing these things to choke out your hope 
hopes and your dreams because if you'll follow God, he's going to bring you home to be able to live out your purpose, to be able to live out your destiny and take you into that prosperous future that he planned for you before you were ever born. Rick Flair moment. Control freaks always freak out because they're not in control. And there's no doubt in a crowd of people this size or those of you that watch online that there are some control freaks that I am preaching to today. Now, some of you are sitting beside them, and that's okay. Don't look at them. Just blink at me and say, yep, I'm sitting right here with them. And if you don't Know that you're a control freak. It's probably you. Stop freaking out and choking the hope that God has for you in your life. The world cannot stop what God has for you in your life. The enemy, Lucifer, cannot stop the hopes and dreams that God has for you in your life. The enemy can't stop those plans. He can't hold you back from the hope and the future that God has for you. And sometimes you might feel like you're an island, that you're one, and nobody knows who you are and what's going on. God said, I've got a plan. And that's for every single person here. So, how are we going to get to where he said in Jeremiah 29, 11, to give you a future and a hope? There's two main thoughts I want you to understand. Worry is a fear of the future, but hope is belief in your future. Grasp that and own that to accomplish the dreams that God has put in your heart. John 16 and 33, Jesus is pouring his heart out, especially in his discourse from John 13, 14, 15, and here in 16, he says to them, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Jesus said, peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. Say those three words with me out loud, but take heart. Say it again, but take heart. I have, oh, because I have overcome the world Sometimes people will say to you, and you'll tell them your situation or your circumstance, and they'll say, well, you ought to be worried. No, Jesus said, take heart. That's what you need to say to somebody when you tell them the circumstance. You understand what I'm saying? Say, well, this is what's going on in my life, and we're, we're about to sin. Well, you ought to be worried. No, say, tell them, but you ought to take heart. Jesus said, take heart. And it, it might be challenging. It might difficult, be difficult for a time and a season in your life. But Jesus said, I have overcome the world. I have a plan. So let's think about it in these terms. If God loves you, and he does, and God is in control, which he is, then if you're going to, to, if you're going to be going through something right now and you're thinking about, that's where I am, pastor, there must be a reason for that. There's got to be a reason. Look at verse 7 in Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you. Did you hear that? God carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you will prosper. God said, it was me who carried you into Babylon, whatever that is. And God is saying, where you're at is exactly where I want you to be 
for this season and moment in your life. And I know it can be very challenging, but there's something what God is saying here. I want you to learn right where you're at. This is what I want you to understand. And it can be challenging because sometimes when we're disobedient, God disciplines disciplines us and he prepares us for the plans he has for us. What makes it even more difficult is when you're trying your best to live for Christ and you haven't been disobedient, it's in those times that we don't understand and we're praying and we're seeking God for him to answer the prayers. But here's the nugget you need to learn. What you learn where you're at is going to prepare you for where God wants to take you. Did you hear that, church? You're going to learn something in that moment. Romans 8, 28, a most famous verse. And when we know that God causes everything, say everything, to work together for the what? What's that word? The good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. See, God wants us to stop worrying. He wants us to Keep the faith. He wants us to stop choking our hopes and our dreams. Jesus can give you hope no matter what you're going through in your life. God has you where you're at so he can put something in you to take you where he planned for you a long time ago. So embrace where you're at, even though it hurts. Embrace where you're at, even though you don't understand it. Embrace where you're at and say, God, what are you trying to help me learn here in this situation? So you stop worrying. You quit having those stress and struggles strains know that where you are is a preparation time for where God wants you to go and when you continually try to get out from underneath that which God is wanting to put in you it is going to make a difference he wants to take you where he wants you to go all along and if you don't realize that what he's trying to put in you when you're in those moments and seasons that you don't understand you're going to stay where you're at a whole lot longer in your babylon do you follow me say yes it's what you're going to learn you're here by god's design you're here by god's design you know as we're wrapping up and i'm thinking about my own story. I, I mean, I've always been one too that I wanted to have everything click, look, just right along in order. You know, I told my story a little bit last week. But I'm thinking, when I met Shanna and we got married, and man, I wanted to have that American dream just like everybody does, right? And when you think about the American dream, you know, we're thinking, you know, we're going to get married, we're going to have kids, we're Christians, we're going to live for the Lord and, and all that kind of stuff. But then all of a sudden, God knocks on my heart and says, hey, I want you to preach the gospel. And that just floored me. I thought, God, I didn't sign up for this. My mother actually physically cried when she heard that I told her that I was going to be having my calling and preaching the gospel. And my wife didn't sign up for that. Not that, you know, and, I, and that's how we were thinking. That was our mentality. God, what are you, what are, you, what are we getting under here? What's this burden going to be like? Even though we didn't understand what we were doing I look at all your beautiful faces. 
And I know why now. Because I'd have never met you guys. I'd have been disobedient to not understanding what was going on in my life. It says, man, I want to do what I want to do. And it has been the most beautiful, joyous journey that I could ever imagine. And I wouldn't take it back for nothing as I, if I could even change it. See, I think for a lot of people, and I don't know who this is for, but I'm going to say it. This is for somebody. There can be a lot of people that knows God's will. But if you're not careful, the enemy will attempt you to be scared to do God's will. Because you don't know where it's going to take you. As long as you're in your Babylon and you don't learn for what God wants to do, you're going to stay in Babylon a long time. Man, when you figure out that you have belief in that future and hopes and dreams of what God wants to do in your life, it will be absolutely an incredible, heart-filled, joyous journey of what God wants to impart in your life. You just got to get ready for the destiny of God. And, and here's the thing about it. If you'll quit, just quit choking your dreams and say, God, I'm not going to live under the circumstances. I'm going to live with you above them. I'm going to follow you. It'll make a huge difference because I know a lot of times all of us face doubts. We face these darkness times in our lives. Sometimes we don't have any clarity and we're just trying to hang on. And let me say this. If your hope seems to be choked, just imagine just one tiny thread of hope is all God needs to work through your life and to bring you into the destiny he created you for, then that'll be just enough. You just got to get ready for it. And it's time for that hope and that future and that dreams that you're going to be able to accomplish, to be able to seek out what God created you for. Listen to Romans 15 and 13. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said to the Roman church, applicable to us today. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit one real life lesson that I've learned people will let you down but God won't when you put your eyes on people you've taken your eyes off God there's going to be times that there's going to be circumstances that's going to disappoint you, but God will never let you down. There'll be times that maybe your boss or a coworker or an employee or somebody in your circle of life is going to let you down, but God never will. Maybe it's your family, your wife, your husband, your mom, your dad, your children, your teacher. And listen, we've all had shattered dreams and disappointments and letdowns in our lives. And there's going to be times that we don't understand things and depressed moments comes in in that moment. Just know, no, no, God has got a plan. Every one of us, Stand with me as we pray. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we're so thankful for your presence, your power, and your spirit. God, right now, I pray you do a remarkable work in the hearts and lives of every single person here. God, do what only you can do, God. Restore their hopes and shattered dreams, God. I pray, God, they're going to look to you, God, and have a belief in the future of you, God, and they're going to learn where they're at about where you want to take them, God. I pray that you'll do a mighty work in their hearts. Something I want to do different today, and they're going to sing in just a moment, but 
those of you that are hurting right now and you're looking in your life and you just want to pray I just want you to know that just slip out don't worry about who's around you say man I just want to go up to one of these crosses on each side I want to pray man I want to grasp the future the hope the purpose the destiny God has for me I'm not going to worry about the circumstances the situations the people that's in my life or those that's holding me back or the critics that's down on me I'm going to go and I'm going to pray so that's what we're going to do. Father, in the name of Jesus, we rebuke Satan right now, God. Help these to step out, God. And there'll be others going to come and pray with them that's needy, God. And let's let you work like only you can, dear Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Come right on, church. Come right on. No one else can touch my heart like you do I could search for all eternity long And find there is none like you There is none like you No one else can touch my heart like you do I could search for all eternity long And find there is none like you I could search for all eternity long And find there is none like you. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. these continue to pray right now I, I want to ask those of you in the audience here if you just bow your heads and maybe you didn't come forward that, that's okay it's a beautiful place to pray up front but it's not the position of the body it's the position of the heart so right now just seek the Lord's face and say Lord I want you to fulfill every good dream every 
portion of the plan you have for my life, God. I submit and surrender fully to you, God, your will and way. I'm not going to live under circumstances and situations. I'm not going to let people, their opinions and all that stuff downtrodden me. I'm going to live above it, and then I'm going to keep my eyes on you, God. But as we continue to pray right now, the only way your hopes and dreams will ever be fulfilled is that you know Jesus Christ in your heart. And as you look in your heart right now, if you feel that pounding in your soul, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart and wanting to save your soul. Jesus wants to come in your life and give you what he died for, and that's your salvation. So right now, in the stillness of this moment, and you want to have your hopes and dreams, the God, the creator of this universe, wants to live in your life and lead you every day. And if you know you, you need to make him the Lord of your life, just do right now what he's bidding you to do. Shoot your hand real high right now and say, I need to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior today. Just shoot your hand up right now. Hold it up there for a second and just say, I see the hand. God bless you. Anyone else, just shoot your hand up and say, man, I need to ask Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I need to make him my Savior. God bless you, my friend. I see the hand back there. Anyone else? Anyone else? Say, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I don't want to do this thing alone anymore. Anyone else, just shoot your hand up if you want to pray and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. All right, well, listen, church, we all pray here. We all pray together. And, and I wish that I could pray these people's prayers, but I can't. It's your prayer that you pray that makes a difference. But I can help you with that prayer, but it comes from sincerity of the conviction of your heart to be born again. So I want to ask you, church, to pray audibly out loud that no one prays by themselves. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for loving me. I asked you to come into my life. I asked you to come in my heart. I asked you to forgive me of my sins. I believe in you. You died for me. You rose for me. You paid the penalty of my sins. And I asked you now to save my soul. I give you my life. Thank you for giving me yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody shouts, amen. Let's give the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ praise today, church. All right. Give him praise today. Glory be to his name. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Man, what an amazing, amazing day. And, and I want to say to you, those in the first service and those in the second service that gave their hearts to Christ, it is an amazing day, and I'm so proud of, of each of you today. We're going to go into a time of giving, uh, but what I do want to do as we get ready and prepare to give, and i got some important things I want to share with you. Uh, first and foremost, uh, if you gave your life to Christ, you go ahead and take a card out of the seat and mark it on there, or you can do it on a QR code on the back of your seat, whichever one you feel comfortable with. We want to know about your decision to follow Christ, because that is an amazing thing that when you are born again, your next step is what's important. And that's the next thing I want to talk about. Two weeks from today, as Pastor Tim was talking about, we're going to be having a baptism. And we want you, if you've given your life to Jesus, you have been saved, you've been born again in your heart, we want you to go public with your baptism and be able to invite your family and your friends. It's going to be an amazing day on that day, two weeks from today. So take a card out of the seat, sign up for baptism. And beyond your salvation, just sign up for baptism, or you can use a QR code, whichever one. It's very, very important that you 
do that, okay? And also today, we want to tell you that our group signups are going on in the lobby. We want you to be able to go out and sign up for a group. You can sign up for a group with a QR code here, or you can go out there and talk to them. They'll tell you about the different groups. Some of you might have moved here. You don't really have family in this area. This is a great opportunity for you to find great friendships and community in our church and what I call 2 a.m. friends. Those friends that you can call at 2 a.m. and they're going to be there for you in that. But last but not least, we are having on May 14th will be Mother's Day, and we celebrate all of you awesome moms in the memory and, uh, and all the great things about our moms. Uh, we're going to be having it that day, but we're going to be having what we call parent dedication. What that means is it's almost what you would say, you mean baby dedication. Well, a baby technically can't dedicate yourself to the Lord, but you can dedicate yourself as the parent to be able to raise your children in the ways of the Lord. So if you would sign up for that for you and your family, you can do it on the QR code on that tree that comes up on that, or you can sign up on the back of the card to be able to do that. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer right now, and then I've just got two simple things to tell you, and then we'll, we'll cut you loose. Father, you are a good, good God that we get to give back to you in the ways of financially. God, it's all yours anyway. It's not ours. So God, as we give back to you today, use it and multiply it that we can continue our existence and mission and vision of the, as a church to be able to reach people to know you, God. We love you, we praise you, and we honor you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise your holy name, and it's in your name we pray, and everybody says... Amen. So, I want you to understand, this Wednesday night is Worship and Prayer Night right here in this auditorium. If you'd like to come for a good strip-down time of worship and prayer, we do that right here in this auditorium. If you're not already in a group that night or something like that. But next week, we're going to move on with the Jesus Can series. Let me ask this question. How many of you here have been hurt by something in your life and been wounded by something in your life? Man, you do not want to miss next week. As a matter of fact, some of you already know somebody that needs to come and be a part of that. We're going to talk about that, how Jesus can heal the hurts that we've all gone through or going through. But other than that, if you need prayer, you need to talk to somebody, come see us over at Next Steps. If I've never met you, come over there. Other than that, I love you. God bless you. I hope you have an amazing week. Take care.